Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So, Mr. Davis, how about we do us a little helping a tech gumbo today? I'm excited. We're going to start off like we do each week with the news and updates. And the first story we wanted to talk about is Kanye West wants to buy Parler, the social media platform. This is a topic about which I have a lot of different thoughts. Now, a lot of those thoughts aren't really technology focused. And as this is a technology show, we'll try and keep it to the realm in which we are experts. And so ultimately, my thoughts are very similar to my thought process whenever Elon Musk wanted to buy Twitter. And that is what social media knowledge does Kanye West have? What sort of expertise is he going to bring? What sort of business expertise is he going to bring? Is he going to be able to surround himself with the right people? Is he going to be able to leverage connections? Is he going to be a value add to this platform? Or is it just something else entirely? And it feels like something else entirely because the answer to most of those questions is I don't really have a whole lot of good reasons as to why this would make sense from a business or technological standpoint. It really does come across as a media publicity stunt when you consider that Parler just did a round of fundraising and they raised $16 million and they they brought in over $56 million in recent fundraisings. So this, this platform is not inexpensive. Now, it's not the $44 billion that Twitter is, but if it's a billion dollars, if it's $2 billion in total assets that it would take to purchase it, does Kanye have that kind of money? I I don't know if they've released the total number yet. And I also don't know if this is if Kanye is going to buy it outright, if he's going to do some sort of complicated ownership structure. Those are you're getting the financials at that point in time. Another one of my critiques of Parler, though, is that 
it's in this weird space now to where whenever it was created, it was supposed to be, you know, the free speech alternative to Twitter. And that was that was how they were branding themselves. Well, Parler got removed from all of the major app stores because people were doing things on there like planning attempted takeovers of governments and were generally not fond of that. And so Parler had to implement moderation rules like a sane platform. And so now you're just back to being Twitter. And then you have Truth Social, which is the one that is the Donald Trump branded platform. And so if you're someone who wants the Donald Trump content, you're going to go to his platform. What is it that Parler brings me that I don't get on either Twitter, which is bigger and has other things on it, or on True Social, which has Trump on it? Why do I want to use Parler? I, I don't I don't understand it either. I mean, so they build Parler bills themselves as a libertarian social media platform. Okay, that's fine. But like you said, even as a libertarian, you're still having to abide by the rules that social media platforms have to live under if you want to be on an android phone if you want to be on an iphone if you want your app to be acquired and used then you're going to have to go along with whatever political way you want to assign that these big huge carriers the iphones or the android phones you're still going to have to live by those rules so you can't be a true libertarian platform and say whatever the hell you want without any your government interfering because you got you got some some oversight. Yeah, it ter- turns out there are some rules in society. And I don't even know that I would necessarily assign the App Store or the Google Play Store political leanings. I think they just want to minimize their liability. If the U.S. government says, hey, you're hosting these sites of these people who tried to overthrow us, the U.S. government tends to not like that. And so it's not that the Apple Store or the Google Play Store have political leanings one way or another. They just don't want the FBI knocking on their front door. And so if if you can't behave yourself to the point that you have the, a whole bunch of people coming and asking questions, then I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy. So it, it just, again, I don't understand why this is relevant, why he would, he would want to do this. For the same reasons, I don't understand why Elon Musk wanted to buy Twitter. I mean, yes, Elon uses Twitter, but I use Ford with the Ford vehicle I drive. Doesn't mean I need to go out and buy Ford. Yeah, Elon Musk probably uses hundreds or thousands of products in his life. He doesn't need to go buy the Charmin. He's not out there trying to buy Coca-Cola. You know, what is it about Twitter? I don't know. It's This just seems weird. And we'll see if it actually goes anywhere. My guess is that it doesn't. This this just kind of flash in the pan and it goes away. I hope so. The next story we wanted to talk about, NASA has confirmed that the DART actually worked. Yeah, this is something that we were super excited about. NASA's double asteroid redirection test, wherever they shot a a rocket at an asteroid and hoped to just alter its trajectory just enough so that in the case sometime in the future, if there is an asteroid headed towards us, we now know we can redirect it pretty straightforward. 
the asteroid Didymos was heading in the direct general direction of Earth, not directly at us, but in the neighborhood. And the asteroid has a little moonlit circling around it called Dimorphos. And Dimorphos is what we hit. And the whole thing was, can we alter that little orbit going around the, the bigger asteroid? And it did. It changed the, the orbit from 11 hours and 55 minutes down to 11 hours and 23 minutes. Or it reduced 32 minutes out of the orbit going around that asteroid. So ultimately, the reason why they were using that number to measure their success is that in space, you know, you have these two objects rotating around each other. Well, whenever you shake that larger asteroid because you hit it with your rocket, that's going to affect how the smaller one rotates around it. And so they were just hoping to see a change of at least two minutes, and they found that it was 30 minutes. And so they are thrilled because this worked better than they had hoped and that they now know should there be an asteroid in the future, they don't have to blow it up. They can just nudge it ever so slightly and it'll zip right on by us and we won't end up like the dinosaurs. You've said many times, being the astrophysicist that you are, when you're when you're 10 billion miles away and all you got to do is bump it, sneeze on it twice if you really want to, and that will, it'll miss Earth by 10 million miles because we were you were that far away the, the the angular direction doesn't take much in space to miss things. Yeah, it's, it's actually very hard to hit things in space. Space is very, very big. And so, you know, we don't care if it hits Mars or not. There's nothing living on Mars, but as long as it doesn't hit us, that's the most important thing here. Absolutely. So good on NASA. Congratulations. You hit your target. Another kind of a follow-up that we've been talking about a good bit this year, Netflix is going to roll out that password-sharing crackdown early in the year, in 2023. Yeah, this is something that, you know, whenever it first came out in the South and Middle American countries, Netflix said, oh, we're just testing it. Don't worry about this. We would never bring this to America. And everyone universally went, yeah, right. And here it is. It's here in America. They're going to start really cracking down on people who are sharing passwords because they've decided that they need to to keep growing their subscription size. So this test started off down in Argentina, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and the Dominican Republic. And obviously it went pretty well for them to say, okay, we can take those small little countries and decide, you know what, we can roll this out worldwide because we're losing so much money because people are sharing their their passwords. And The thing that's frustrating, and we've talked about it here before, is now we've got this streaming platform that's going to decide what a a household is. The fact that they're looking at my IP address. When I log into Netflix, okay, yep, we know it comes from this, but you're my son. My other son sitting there in, in Louisiana Tech. You're in New York City. Both are students, and you're not going to be able to use my Netflix account unless I create sub accounts for three anywhere from three to five dollars per month per user 
I just got a real big problem with Netflix deciding what is my household. Yep. And the the crazy thing to me is that Netflix is still growing its consumer base. In the last quarter, it added another 100,000 paid subscribers in the U.S. and Canada. And this is it's driven by the fact that they have this need to keep growing. But at some point in time, you run out of people. We're not making new people fast enough for you to keep growing quarter over quarter anymore. For the past decade, it's been very easy from 2010 to 2020. Everyone, all the tech companies got to grow so easily that you could just add new people, new markets that were untapped. And it was great. You had all this expansion that was free. Well, now we're getting to the point in time wherever you don't have any more of that low-hanging fruit. And you really don't have that middle fruit anymore either. You're going after that very top-level fruit, and that's hard to get to. And that's just a fact. There's, there's not... Netflix isn't a worse product now just because it's not growing anymore. You just can't keep growing at some point in time. Another thing that bothers me is if I'm here at the house watching Netflix, but if I take my laptop with me to work and at lunch I want to watch or I'll take my iPad to lunch and I want to watch a Netflix show at lunch, but that's a different IP address at the office than it is here at home. Is that another sub account because I'm using my password at a different IP address than the house? Or if I'm on a trip, if I'm in a hotel, is there an allowance where you can use away your 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 account away from the house? That's a tough question. What if you're someone who travels for business often? That you know it's still you, but you spend a lot of time in a lot of different places. And how do you distinguish someone who is a business traveler versus someone who does have multiple homes. These you get into a lot of weird edge cases that are non-trivial and I just I can only see that Netflix is going to start making a lot of people really angry here soon. And you you've gotten to this point in time on goodwill that everyone said, "Oh, yeah, I made my Netflix account, you know, back in 2014, back in 2015." And just kind of let it ride because I never had to think about it. Yeah, there's this small price increase here and there, but whatever. Well, now that you're starting making me mad and charging me more, people are going to start really more closely examining, do I need this Netflix account? Am I watching Netflix that often or am I somewhere else? And all of a sudden, you know, if Disney Plus isn't doing this to me, if Hulu's not doing this to me, if HBO Max isn't doing this to me, Well, I'm going to go to those places. But not to be concerned, should you decide, oh, you know what, Netflix, you're right. I'm going to go start my own account. I'm not going to use dad's account anymore. But man, my profile, I've had that profile building for 10 years. They know what I want to watch. Now I got to start all over. Fear not, because Netflix is going to create a profile transfer. Yeah. And that's another one of those things. It's like, I use Netflix a moderate amount. I'm not sure how tied to my profile that I am. Do I need that profile that I have for 10 years? Am I so emotionally invested in the shows that I've already watched that I have to know, I have to tell Netflix, yes, I've watched that? Or like, is it going to just recommend me stuff? This feels 
like Netflix is saying, oh, we're going to do this wonderful, nice thing for you. But it's really better for them because now they can track all these things that they can show you the the most specified content. And I, as the consumer, I don't know, maybe it'd be interesting to see the defaults. You know, what is the stuff that I'm missing? Because I just went down my algorithmic rabbit hole. And so Netflix never bothered to show it to me because it says, oh, you have, you like these things. You would never like that thing. What if I do? And I don't see that. I don't know. This doesn't feel like something that I would actually use. Netflix is something I feel like I wouldn't really use, especially with the upcoming potential global recession where people have to start deciding, well, gee, how much money do I really want to spend? Because if I'm spending $19 now and now I got to spend another $5 for, for, or 10 bucks more for each of my kids to use this Netflix for $29, you think Netflix is worth it to me? Oh no, Netflix is gone. And unless I want to do the, they're going to come out with a Netflix for $6.99 a month, but they're going to have advertising in the middle of the movies every 20 minutes they're going to show you ads and that's not why you have netflix yeah it definitely i i wonder how much goodwill they're going to start lighting on fire and have they baked that into their calculations already that they know that what they're doing is going to make people angrier but the number of people who are going to quit and say that's it i'm done is less than the amount of additional money they're going to make. And so, yeah, sure, your approval rating drops, but your profits keep going up. Uh, is that their calculation? And you're going to tell me, based upon trials in Argentina, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Dominican Republic, you're going to make that kind of a global calculation based upon those five countries? Really? It feels tenuous at best. Because that's a once you start making people mad, man, it's a whole lot easier to to say, you know what? Like, I don't need this anymore. I, I'm not. It's not just this like, yeah, sure, whatever. Netflix, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, now all of a sudden, it's it is doing these things that just make you angry. And say, like, fine, I'll go somewhere else if you're really that intentional on pushing me off. This sounds a lot like the new Coke back in the early '80s. When everyone loved Coca-Cola for all the years and they stopped making the old Coke because we went out, we're rolling out new Coke. It's better. And it was worse. And within a year or so, they had to bring the old Coca-Cola back because Coca-Cola was hemorrhaging. Is that what Netflix is trying to do? I I don't see Netflix rolling the, the, the clock back on this one. And once they put this in place, my guess is that it's they hit a peak and at some point in time they you know maybe they they stagnate the number of users maybe their number of users decline but again you can't keep growing at some point in time there is just a maximum number of users and you probably will drop back you'll probably hit some sustainable threshold but you're profitable right now as netflix you it's not like you need to keep growing in order to make money you're already making money you just don't think that you're making enough money and whenever you say that we're not comfortable where we are, we have to keep changing, at some point in time, a change you make is going to end up bad. And boy, that's going to be tough to, to fix that. I agree. One quick story we wanted to catch here. 
They had an iPhone, the original iPhone, sold here recently for $39,000. It was still in the factory-sealed box. Yeah, this is a fun one. Someone said that the original iPhone still in the factory box was a collector's item worth thirty-nine grand. The original iPhone sold for five ninety-nine, which in today's dollars would be eight hundred and fifty-two dollars, according to the story. And they hoped to get around ten grand on the auction. Sold thirty-nine thousand dollars for an original iPhone that's never been out of the box. I'm I'm not a huge collector. I'm not big into that world. I hope that whoever bought it enjoys it. It'll look great on their shelf, I'm sure. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.